Episode 16 of Pods. In the key. Of Springfield, Field. Massachusetts. Is that right? Is it Massachusetts? That's the name of our podcast, isn't it? Pods in the key of Springfield, comma, Massachusetts. Comma, Massachusetts. Mm. Um, I didn't think that was the name of ours. It's one of my favorite state names to say. Yes. Because you'd basically just make a lot of sounds until you think <laughs> it's time to stop. <laughs> just hope for the best. Yeah. Massachusetts. It's only four syllables. Yep, but they're very awkward syllables. Like Mississippi. Actually, Mississippi is a nice one. Mississippi is much nicer than Massachusetts. Yeah. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Sure. That's how you spell the very word in question. Yeah. Did you ever see, um, uh, you know Luna Park? It's got the famous face on the, the, the front gate. Do you mean the novel by Brett Easton Ellis or the uh, the amusement park <laughs> that you are clearly talking about? I meant the amusement park that I'm clearly talking about. Okay. The big face. Yeah. The initial iteration of that face actually had mm. jaws that moved. Like, you know, the bottom jaw came up. Yeah. The mandible, if you will. I mm. believe that's what the bottom jaw is called. Uh, bottom jaw came up, top jaw came down. Uh, t- to make a kind of biting motion, and they were known as massive chew sets. Okay. Massive chew sets. Massive chew sets, yep. Pods in the key of Springfield, <laughs> massive chew sets. Okay. Good. I'm glad that I now know what I'm sure is a true fact. So I thought we'd do something a little different for this episode. We'd look at uh, two episodes of The Simpsons. Um, we'd look at Oh Brother Where Art Thou and we'd look at Bart's Dog Gets an F episodes 15 and 16 of season 2 of what show? of The Simpsons The Simpsons okay is that what that was? yes that's what that was okay cool okay I thought it was Bojack Horseman sorry if I hadn't of what no, sorry if I hadn't made it clear at the start okay. of The Simpsons podcast that we're recording okay season 4 of Bojack Horseman was really good I'm Nick by the way I'm I'm not I'm the other guy I'm yeah, James yeah yeah, we should say our name at the start of episodes, shouldn't we? Because yes. we're not, like, known entities. We're not known entities. People don't know who we are. We're not famous people. No, correct. We're not. So we need to say who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm James, you're Nick, mm-hmm. and first episode, oh brother, where art thou? Yeah. And I, I believe we will be talking about somebody who is famous on this one. Yeah. Because our old mate, Daniel DeVito. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> DeVito. I don't know if he goes by Daniel, but Danny DeVito plays uh, Herb Powell in this episode. Yes. Uh, chalkboard gag right at the top. Sure. I will not sell land in Florida. Won't sell land in Florida. That's what, uh, that is what Bart is promising to not do. Now, obviously, we don't know the exact circumstances here, mm. but the thing that uh, strikes me as curious about this chalkboard gag, and look, we're not going to get too bogged down, and that's only the chalkboard gag, but I just wanted to say... 45 minutes later. <laughs> if Bart is in trouble for selling land in Florida, that seems like it might be more of a criminal issue than a write-out 50 lines after in school after detention issue. How- Do you think he sold the land to Quibuple? 
Maybe, because I was, I was about to say, where is the nexus between selling land in Florida and school that warrants lines mm. to be a, a sufficient punishment? Well, maybe he, sold the, maybe he sold these deeds on school grounds. Bud is an incredibly industrious kid, you know? This goes back to my earlier theory Very that Bud is actually a genius. Sure. Much as the episode Bud, the genius presupposed that maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't. But I say that maybe he is. Rabbi has memo. Yeah, exactly. Rabbi has memo. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. A pretty good paradox. Yes. Uh, so, this episode features Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito is an interesting figure. Back in the 80s, he was, uh, I believe he was the star of the sitcom Taxi. In the 90s, this is sort of easy to lose sight of now, but he was a pretty, like, legitimate movie star. He was, uh, yeah. like, headlining movies. He was in... Twins with uh, old mate Schwarzenegger. He yes. was the dad in Matilda. Have, he was have, popping up all over the place. He had a, a career directing as well. He was a. Have you heard the um the pitch story about Twins? No. Apparently, the movie was pitched with the writers or the whoever it is, someone whoever does the pitching, walking into the studio for the pitch meeting, and the pitch was <coughs> Schwarzenegger, Devito, Twins. Okay. And the studio said, yeah, okay, we're in. Yeah. And yeah, they were planning on making a sequel with Eddie Murphy showing up as another another part of the whole thing. Making them triplets, I suppose. Really? Yes. Well, it, it would have been Eddie Murphy playing nine different characters. Yeah. So I guess it would have been a total of 11 <laughs> brothers. <laughs> nine of them played by Eddie Murphy. A total of 11 <laughs> brothers. Yeah. Is a wonderful name for a movie. Yeah. Which uh, brings us back to this episode, a total of 11 O Brothers, where art thou? <laughs> An interesting thing in this is you've got the implication in here, of course, that what's his face, uh, the, the doctor that Homer goes to see, or the guy at the orphanage, sorry, yes. the guy at the orphanage. The director of the orphanage. Yes, the director of the orphanage is meant to be the long lost brother of Dr. Hibbert. Dr. Julius Hibbert. We get that because they look the same. And then we learn in season six, I believe, that Bleeding Gums Murphy is also a long-lost brother of Dr. Hibbert. Mm. And thinking about this, why did they stop there? Why is that it? Why is there not just countless gags about Dr. Hibbert having brothers everywhere that he's not familiar with? Maybe. Or my interpretation of the uh, the director of the orphanage... um, I'm not sure if that's a long lost brother of Hibbert or if it's a time travel, uh, time travel egg flip omelette situation, which just coincidentally also happens to be looking for a long lost brother. Wait a minute. So you're saying that both of them are Hibberts are looking for bleeding gums, Murphy. Both of them are looking for bleeding gums, Murphy. Yeah. Actually, to be honest, I didn't know how that theory was going to finish, but you've absolutely smashed it out of the park. Yeah. Um, yeah, both Smash of them. like the avocado that goes alongside these eggs on the breakfast plate that is your theory. It's a really good point. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. So, it's not Hibbert's long-lost brother. It is time travel Hibbert, and they're both looking for Bleeding Oz Murphy. That's did you have the, perfect. Um, did you have the time travel Hibbert uh, action figure when you were a kid? The, I, I don't recall having it. I had Stretch Armstrong. Were they the same thing? Uh, well, Stretch Armstrong could stretch his arms out really far, whereas Time Travel Hibbert could go back through time. So, they were quite different. Oh. Well, maybe I, maybe once upon a time I had the Time Travel Hibbert 
action figure, mm. but then it travelled back through time without me <laughs> to a time where I no longer had it. That would be unfortunate. That'd be super weird. That's a sad story. Um, second episode in a row where the Simpsons, where it, in which Bart justifies his swearing through logic. Yes, which I think is a fun little game to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I constantly justify my use of the word "fuck" and "shit" and. Uh, oh, and I don't know if you crap. Ju- I don't know if. It- well, hang on. For a start, <laughs> do you ever say crap? It has been a while since I've said crap. Crap to me seems like a very early 2000s word. Yeah. Yeah. Crap has fallen out of vogue. Crap has fallen out of many places. Now that I'm saying it, though, it does have a nice feel to it. Mm, oh, mm. crap. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. The only time I say crap is if I'm mm. doing tax guy. Mm. Um, oh, crap. Uh, yeah, no, just for swearing is good. Even though, what, hell and bastard are the two words that he manages to logically justify. Not particularly good swear words. No. He's woken up to fuck, I think. Eventually yeah. he'll say fuck. Check yeah. not fuck. Yeah. Yeah, what else? What happens in this episode? Homer finds out he has a, a long-lost half-brother named Herb. He goes to visit Herb, destroys his company, and, uh, Herb is banished to the wilderness. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, he's played by Danny DeVito, Frank from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is good because I kept thinking about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia the whole time I was watching this. Is that a TV show? Yes. You cool. get to see Danny DeVito naked. If you've ever wanted to see Danny DeVito's scrotum. Mm, not sure that that's a thing <laughs> I want. You weren't sitting here watching this episode thinking, this is good, but I gotta scope that scrot. Scope that scrot. <laughs> gotta scope that scrot. There's a phrase I'm not comfortable with. Um, uh, no, I, I, at no point during our run of The Simpsons have I thought, what does the voice actor's scrote look like? What about when we watched the movie and Bart's skateboarding around? And you're like, this is, this is a good scene. But what I really want is to scope that scrote and that dick. Scope that dick. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Not a desire. No. And yet, they fulfilled it for you just in case. What, in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? No, in the movie. Oh, in the movie, yes. Yeah, they thought, you know, this scene is good, but what the viewer really wants is Bud's little dick. Let's not talk about the movie. <laughs> yeah, because we'll have to talk about it again in a few episodes' time. Speaking of that, yeah. I don't know if we made this explicitly clear <laughs> in our first movie episode, <laughs> but our plan is to rewatch the movie at the end of every season. I don't know if we've really said that we said it on the episode before but not really in that episode Um, we're ripping off the tim badge guy montgomery model of uh watching the same movie over and over again and they're right it is the worst idea of all time because we've gone through one playthrough of the movie and i'm already (laughs) sick of it (laughs) um fun little shop name in the background when Homer ha- when Homer goes to the orphanage clinic and they find out that it's been shut down and replaced with a petrol station, petrol station. A petroleum station, um, there's a sign in the background for a restaurant called Guido's Pasta Villa. Guido's Pasta Villa. I mean, that sounds racist. It does, doesn't yeah. it? But it also sounds like a place that I'd go and eat. Yeah, yeah. I'd get. I see what their fettuccine puttanesca was like. The pasta villa appeals to you. The pa- well, as, as does a pasta villain. Maybe we didn't see the whole sign. Maybe it's actually <laughs> just a billboard for a movie called Guido's Pasta Villain. <laughs> it's even better. What does a pasta villain do? How do they manipulate pastas? You, you've heard of the Hamburglar? I have. Yes. Imagine that, but for pasta. Okay. 
So speaking of the, speaking the Hamburglar of- is a very tragic figure to me because his entire personality is based around stealing hamburgers. Yes. All of his friends are involved in the hamburger industry exclusively. Yes. So his entire existence um, and personality and just his, the core of his being is based around being a trader. When you say that all of his friends are in- involved in the hamburger industry, hmm. there is one exception to that. Um, I know I've told you this before, but just in case the listeners aren't aware of this, I want to stop for a moment to talk about Grimace. Grimace is the weird fucking purple thing, right? Yep. Now, I've told you this previously, but let's see if you remember. Do you remember what Grimace is? Do you know what Grimace is? Isn't he like the spirit of a milkshake or something? According to the McDonald's Twitter account, he's the embodiment of a milkshake. Yeah. Now few things there. A, what is that? B, McDonald's don't sell milkshakes. No. Well, they... Thick shakes. They used to do milkshakes, I think. You, what? In, when when the founder was there? Yeah, before Ray Kroc came in and ruined everything. Yeah. I mean, it was just the, the brothers, the McDonald's. McDonald's brothers. Oh, they had a farm. Yeah. E-I-E-I-O. Sick. And on that farm, they had some milk. E-I-E-I-O. Did that With a milk- shake shake here and a shake shake there. Shake, 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 and shake it. Shake it off. Oh, I thought you were going to do. Um, me- I thought you were going to go into Metro Station's shake it. Then that's weird. Shake um, it like a Polaroid picture, and then you get milkshake. Ah, uh, and then it brings all the boys to the yard. Yeah, that's how it goes. And then they drink your milkshake. Slipping noise. They drink it up. See, I didn't do the impression of Daniel Day Lewis because he won the Oscar, and I can't keep up with him. Ah, you- oh, okay. I kind of forgot what I was talking about for a moment. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing slapping his water into the microphone? I was trying to get the slurp noise. You can edit that in later. <laughs> we'll just cut the whole thing out completely. No, no, no. It's good. Um, so when Homer is driving to Herb's house, well, when yep. the whole family's driving to Herb's no, we, house. We should talk about him finding out that uh, sure. that he's a, has a, a half-brother who oh, was yeah. sent out for adoption first. Because there's a few things I want to address here. We open with a McBain movie. That Grandpa Simpson is watching. And so this is interesting because McBain is the Arnold Schwarzenegger figure, of course, mm-hmm. and twins, Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But that uh, is interesting, especially when we find out in the movie that McBain is just Schwarzenegger. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So in the, in the scene, uh, McBain throws Mendoza out the window just as John Die Hard does in the movie Die Hard. Oh, uh, yes. Yep. And the woman comes up and says, you certainly broke up that meeting. And he says, right now, I'm thinking of holding another meeting in bed. Hmm. I'm going to talk about that because that seems like a really bad place to hold a meeting to me. And I was hoping maybe you could explain this to me. Because why would you hold a meeting in bed? Well, there's a conference room right there. Uh, you know, the building's probably empty at this point. There's plenty of places to hold a meeting. A bed is a really inconvenient place to... I think, I think you're missing the point because I'm pretty sure he means a sexy meeting. A sex what is what well it's because when he says that line he's there's a there's a buxom leading lady sitting uh, standing next to him and i think he's implying that maybe they're going to um what do you mean by a sexy meeting well you know i mean i mean look the only thing on the agenda is you know getting down getting out of business yeah, getting down to business that's what you have a meeting for you get down no, to but like but like you know like getting out of business yeah, and I'm saying, like, in a bed? That's the wrong place to do that. You'd- no, he's he's going to fuck the redhead, Jekyll. He's going to fuck the redhead? 
He's gonna, well, then he shouldn't be having a meeting if he's going to fuck her. That's uh, How else is he supposed to know if he's got free <laughs> agreement and consent? I mean, do you not have meetings at the start of all your sexy time sessions? Well, if I'm... I don't like wait a way, minute. I don't like the way I took Wait that. a minute. <laughs> what? Are we talking about sex here? Yeah, sex. Yeah. The, I, oh. Oh, okay. Are you familiar with the concept of euphemisms? Uh... You mean meefemisms? <laughs> yeah, I mean meefemisms. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Unless someone else does it and then it's a themphemism. Oh, okay. Anyway, sexy meeting, I guess, in bed. Bad idea, just like have it in the boardroom. Uh, and that's, that's, I'm not misunderstanding anything there, I think. So they. I don't know if it's up to you to decide whether or not you're misunderstanding something. Grandpa Simpson goes to the hospital. Yes. He, he's dying. He's, uh, I don't know. Does he, he survives the episode, I think, but, uh, he gets Homer to come to the hospital and says, you've got a half brother. Yes. And this is a little odd because he says basically he knocked up a woman at the carnival one year, came back the next year. She's standing there holding a baby boy. Yes. With a little baby stubble. And at that point, they give him up for adoption. Seems odd to me that the woman waited a year for him to come back so they could go and give him up for adoption together. Well, I suppose she wanted to consult with Abe to see what he wanted to do. And this was pre, pre Snapchat. Mm. This, this, this was pre Twitter, pre Bebo and Friendster. <laughs> the only thing she could do was wait until the carnival came back. It around. is a shame that they didn't have Snapchat so she could just send him a snap and say, yo, had your baby fam, holler back. And the baby would have, like, a funny filter on it. So it looks like yeah. it has, like, little doggies. It'd be like one of those boomerang things where it's, like, the same little oh. animation over and over in a little loop. You know, the day I realized that I am an old man mm. was when boomerang videos became popular and I found myself staring at examples of boomerang videos that I would see on social media and just thinking, why? Why do you want to be perpetually trapped in taking one step forward to then have that step play in reverse and then have that step play forward. I, I'm, I realized this is a get off my lawn moment, but boomerang is what realized that made me realize that I am a cantankerous old man. I've definitely never in my life seen a little video like that and thought, oh, yes, this is improved by being like three repeated frames over and over again. This is better than a photo would have been or just yes. a standard video. Yes. That has never happened. Never happened. And I suspect it never will. No, it won't. So we are anti-boomerang as a service, pro-boomerang as a tool for use. You know, like you throw it and it comes back. Oh, yes. Yeah. In terms of indigenous boomerang. Yeah. Yes. So uh, Homer goes to meet his brother. His brother's very wealthy. And this episode turns into an episode about uh, the different levels of class in America, I think. Ooh, that's a good extrapolation. Yeah. It's got a uh, herb is, of course, the businessman who greatly values the idea of being in touch with the common folk. Yes. Homer represents uh, the undereducated white man who is given power well beyond his station and mm. abuses it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, there's some interesting little power dynamics there, I think, with uh, Herb's ultimate failing being that he wants to get in touch with what he perceives to be the common man, mm. but his perception of what the common man is is deeply flawed. That's actually genuinely interesting. I mean, 
I've just got a note here that says extremely large beverage holder <laughs> because that's something that one of the car designers says and I thought that would be a funny thing to put on a t-shirt as a description of myself. <laughs> extremely large beverage, beverage holder. holder. Yeah. Because <laughs> most days that would serve as an adequate description of me. But please, tell me more about your <laughs> class theory. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've summed it up in brief, in oh. whatever I just said, but... um. Yeah, basically, you've got Herb, he's fabulously rich and wealthy, and he's built himself up from nothing, but he feels like he lacks the common touch, Mm. and his interpretation of the common touch is, like, this middle-class white dude who uh, has a lot of bad ideas and uh, doesn't have much education, but is doing well in life and is always told that, like, the things he wants are Mm. valid and and that he can have them. And so if he just wants them enough. And so could we extrapolate further from that to say that the lesson of this episode is if you let the homers of the world have their way unquestioned to get their end result, it will lead in destruction. <laughs> well, I don't know that I like that message because to say, how do we define the homers of the world? Because um, I just want to say like, you know... People who didn't go to university, like, have, oh, no, like, no, concerns. No. <laughs> you know, like, he's got a... You know, I guess what he wants is still valid, but, you know, he just, uh... They put a lot of trust in this one guy who is not right for this project at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. The And Homer has uh, fallen foul of the... Dunning-Kruger effect? <laughs> the Diane Kruger effect? I really like Diane Kruger. She's great. I don't know anything about her. Okay. She was in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, I saw that movie. Did you? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. I saw oh, that's exciting. I saw Inglorious Bastards once. Oh, what did you I think got, of it? I got very annoyed by the chewing scene. The chewing scene? Yeah, where the guy's eating the cake and it's a power play to have really loud chewing sounds. Okay. Where the Nazi guy's eating the cake. Okay. Did you enjoy the movie? No. No? No. I like that movie. Oh. I like it a lot. I mean, I like the bit where the cinema burnt down. That gave me hope for the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, it's, I mean, that's a very good scene. <laughs> but very on brand for me, too. What I really like about that film is, you know, like, um, this is getting off topic, obviously, but I'm going to say it anyway. They track down Hitler and bit of a spoiler for the film here, but it's been out for 10 years now and you can watch it knowing this and not lose anything. They trap Hitler in the cinema and then they kill him and uh somebody asked Tarantino you know obviously this didn't happen in history so you know is it is it a bit weird to have your characters do this and he said well they don't know that they don't know how Hitler died so of course they can trap him in the cinema and do this to him because uh huh. they don't know what happened in real life it's not real to them that's a very interesting answer yeah didn't one of the mario like, one Where of on the... earth is this going to go? <laughs> no, didn't, didn't one of the... Talking about Hitler. <laughs> d- didn't one of the creators of, like, the various Mario games, mm. didn't they recently say that the Mario is a character putting on a play that you're directing? Ah, uh, that's like... That's what those games are? Uh, I don't know if anyone said that, but certainly Super Mario Brothers 3 Starts is presented the... as if it was a play. Yeah. I I think I remember hearing somewhere that the one of the like 
creators has actually come out and said, yeah, you know, that play thing's bang on. It Mario, is for that game, certainly. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Uh, um, what, what does that have to do with Hitler? Just the cinema? Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> it, it, was the, it was the idea of uh, not, I suppose it's the idea of within the content that you are consuming, it's actually a window through to a larger world. Okay. Okay. That's what, that, that was the link. In okay. My and they showed Hitler's face right off. It's a good movie. Uh, what else happens? Uh, now, at one point, Homer talks about the car having rack and peanut steering. Yeah. Does your car have rack and peanut steering? I don't think so. But I also, there are a lot of peanuts in my car because I do enjoy eating nuts and I am very clumsy. So, <laughs> Yep. I think, is this implying that maybe the car's going to be some sort of like a Flintstones car with like an elephant sticking his feet out and running along? It's a living. <laughs> it's a living. That's not what the elephant would sound like. It would be that much. <laughs> It's a living. Yeah, that was a yeah. good elephant. Yeah. Um, uh, what, so hang on, but if, if it's rack and peanut steering, that would mean that the elephant uses its trunk to control the direction of the car, and then whenever it correctly changes the direction, it is rewarded by a peanut from a... Wait, is it elephants that like peanuts? Is that the... Elephants love peanuts, and they have trunks, as do cars. But is that... Hey, not, mm. in, the, not in Australia, they don't. They have boots. Yeah, but um, damn it, do. <laughs> um, uh, do... Do the elephants actually like peanuts, or is that just a weird cartoon thing, where cartoons have misled me? I don't know. I don't spend much time with elephants. Mm. There's, uh, I've got a bit of a theory about how this episode ends, because I think we're, we're getting towards the end. Uh, basically, Homer... Builds this dumb car. It ruins the company. Can I say something about the dumb car? Yes. The d- <laughs> Thank you. I dane it. Okay. Um, the dumb car looks an awful lot like uh, a car designed from uh, supersonic acrobatic rocket-powered battle cars. Supersonic acrobatic rocket-powered battle cars, Supersonic acrobatic rocket-powered battle cars. The predecessor to the very popular Rocket League. Yep. Okay. It just looks a lot like one of them. Do you think maybe they based it on this car? I'd like to think so. Yeah. I also think that the Homer would actually be a pretty cool car to have as downloadable content for Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Power Battle Cars, or now for Rocket League. I believe it was a car in the Simpsons Road Rage, and I oh. think it popped up again in the Simpsons Hit and Run. I've played uh, Road Rage, I think. Yep. That was the Crazy Taxi one. Yeah, 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 that one. That and one. then there was Hit and Run, which is like the Grand Theft Auto open world. Like, pretty good. Pretty good sure. game. Well, we may talk about these games in future Eat My Shorts episodes. Yes. Eat My Shorts. Yeah. Uh, okay, so in this episode, uh, the company gets ruined. But if we look at how it gets ruined, it doesn't quite make sense. No. Because they say that the car costs $82,000. Mm. And- $82,000! The implication seems to be that not only have they showcased the car, they've mass-manufactured it without her getting a look at it mm. to approve the car, which doesn't make sense. So I think what's actually happened here is that Homer making this car is like a minor dent in the company. What has actually caused the collapse of the company is Herb having a fucking freakout on stage during the meeting where he shows the car, where he collapses to the ground and starts screaming, I'm ruined. Do you think maybe I think that, that would cause the stock price to plummet. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's As- not something you do. Especially when his plan was, Homer, you go off and design this car, and I don't want to see anything until it's finished. Mm. 
but he didn't tell everyone at the press conference, which, by the way, was in like a baseball stadium. It was huge. Yep. The the unveiling. He didn't tell anyone, oh, by the way, here was the secret little plan for this. So they just go, well, hang on a minute. This is your company. This is your car. Mm. You're now screaming about, I think he calls it a hideous monstrosity. Um, or something to that effect. And you don't typically <coughs> show off a car that's already in, like, mass production. Like, this would be, like, the concept car. Yeah. That everyone would get a look at and be like, oh, yeah, like, uh, I guess you blew, like, a few hundred thousand on this. Mm. <laughs> Would, wouldn't it be wonderful if, like, uh, imagine that, at, at, like, an Apple Keynote product release. <laughs> they put the iPhone ten up on the screen and then... Who does those now? Tim Cook, I think Tim it is. Tim Cook. He's just like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? <laughs> well, that's it. We're, We're ruined. We're ruined. And I, yeah, that is, to me, like, this is not Homer's fault at all. It is the fact that the head of the company freaks out at this press conference and declares the company ruined. Yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. I think if he had just, like, pretended everything was fine... Stuck would have dropped, they'd bounce back. They'd Wouldn't bounce be an back. issue. And also, guess what, Herb? When he fucking gets on the bus at the end to go back to wherever he's going. Yeah. I don't know. I just want to say the word Chattanooga, so I'll say it. When he goes back to Chattanooga. Pardon me, boy. Is that the Chattanooga? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, when he gets on the train to go back to there, uh, and Homer says something like, oh, it's almost like um, my life... Yeah, your life would have been better if I wasn't in it. So of course, my life would have been better if you weren't in it. Well, to be fair, it was your decision that Homer could build this thing without any oversight from any of mm. your experts. Um, no, Herb's certainly got himself to blame. He takes yeah. us out on Homer very unfairly because later on, don't we find out they didn't talk for years after this? Not fair. Herb's yeah, he pops fault. back in, I think it's the end of the next season where Herb... Sure. Uh, Invents, invents the device that can hear what babies have to say. Yeah. Somehow. Somehow. Yeah. But anyway, I, I don't think Homer's to blame for this. Homer was following instructions. It's kind of a tragedy that they only bring back Herb one other time because Danny DeVito is fucking killing it in this role. He is oh, so good in this episode. He's putting so much guts into his voice mm. and playing it very straight in a very, very silly thing. Uh, it's a good reminder of why Danny DeVito was such a powerhouse in the 90s and is now... Still hugely respected as, like, this weirdo who just does Always Sunny in Philadelphia and is beloved for it. Yeah. And pops up occasionally in indie films like Wiener Dog, which I have not seen, but I'm aware that he's in it. Sure. I think he adopted the dog from the movie, possibly. But, uh, yeah, he's fantastic in this. He's brilliant. Yeah. Love him. Um, Insult Love Watch. Love you, Danny DeVito. Insult Watch. Someone gets called a spongehead. Spongehead. Homer gets called a spongehead. There you go. Bye. So, uh, so we'll add that to... I think he gets called that by Herb. He does. Uh, so we'll add that to uh, Lunkhead, Sneaky Pete, Flim Flam Man, and ooh, the one I'm missing. <laughs> uh, junk something? Dingpot. 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 Right. Well. Good so insults in The Simpsons. It's a good app. Good episode. Yeah, pretty good. One of the best of season two so far, um, I to and, say. And boy, oh boy, if you grew up in Australia in the 90s and early 2000s, did you know that it was one of the best episodes of season two? Because it's all Channel 10 ever played. I feel like I've seen yeah. that, that episode of The Simpsons more than any other. You reckon? That and Dead Putting Society, I think, were on TV far more than statistically they should have been. Dead Putting Society, that's the um, Robin Williams film, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the one with the oh, 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 golfer, oh, my golfer. Oh, captain, my captain. Uh, please don't leave the school. That's a bad movie. I hate that movie. Fuck that movie. Never seen it. No. Robin Williams is good in it, but the movie's garbage. Yeah. Take your books. Throw them away. No, we're not going to do that. We don't want to throw our books away. But also- Why would you do that? Textbooks are really expensive. Yeah, exactly. What? And like, you need them to learn. Learn the things. Uh, if bet- my students, because I'm a teacher, they throw out the books, I'd say, what the fuck are you doing? Get that mm. fucking book out of the bin and read it. But it's covered in juice from a tuna can. Well, go read your tuna book then. Yeah. Why did you throw out a full can of tuna? Bart's dog <laughs> gets an F. Bart's dog gets fucked. Chalkboard gag. I will not sell school property. So, last week, I'm assuming these episodes are split up by weeks. There's nothing to suggest that. It's just what I've decided. <laughs> last week, Bart was selling land in Florida. This week, he's decided to really curb his uh, ambition. And now he's just selling... Mm. White, uh, black, blackboard erasers, chairs, maybe a desk. Well, this is the Still system property. really beating Bart down, you know? Like, they won't let him be a property developer. Mm. And now he just, uh, you know, he has simpler ambitions and the school's of saying, no, 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 you can't do this. Or the other thing, the other possibility, mm. do they mean property in the land sense? Does Springfield Elementary own multiple blocks of land? And has he started selling blocks of land... From under the feet of Springfield Elementary. Well, now, can you ever really own land? I mean, isn't land more of a concept than a, you know, it's just... Don't we... Aren't we all indebted to the planet Earth, really? You, you realise that you live in the state which in, which invented the Torrens title system, which has now been adopted worldwide as the main way of documenting land ownership. Yeah, but you can't, like, own a tree, man. Like, the tree is its own thing, man. Do you want to go to Bunnings? We've we've got ten minutes left before it shuts. I'll buy you a tree, and then you can own it. That'd be nice, actually. Well, where are you going to plant a tree? Where am I going to plant? Well, in my garden. Your secret garden. My secret garden. So many wistful memories. Is Danny DeVito in that film? I don't think so. I don't know, but my sister used to spend a lot of time watching Matilda and Secret Garden, so for me, they're actually inextricably linked. Is Mara Wilson in the Secret Garden, or is it some other kid? Oh, it might be Mara Wilson. I don't know. Mara Wilson, if you're listening, and I really hope you are, uh, hit us up. Let us know if you're in the movie The Secret Garden. Because we have literally no other way of knowing. If you could maybe link us to your IMDb page so we could check for ourselves, that would be really good. That'd be real good. That would be... Thank you, Mara. Matilda's good. I have been meaning to buy your book. It sounds good. Uh, So, Mara, thank you. I bought you a tree, but I just don't know how to get it to you. Yeah, that was an ill-fated purchase. I don't know. Can you... You can't export trees, can you? Um, oh, good question. I, I guess not. No. Uh, well, as, well, I think there'd be no issue with exporting it, but there would be an issue with the other country wanting to import it. Okay. Well, we'll come back to this. We'll do like a little episode about horticulture. Sure. I've got a note here about the phone in the Simpsons house. Okay. Uh, uh, so Santa's little helper escapes. Um, it gets found by a neighbor. Sylvia Winfield. Sylvia Winfield. She was one of the neighbours that was cackling when Homer was going off to kill himself in episode two. Yep. Um, so I'm glad that she's back. Um, Homer picks up the phone. Um, you know, one of the chunky, I don't know how to describe them. Rotary of, phone? No, it wasn't a rotary because it had buttons. Okay. But, you know, the phone. 
It's what we would call a retro phone now. Yeah, a retro phone. We'll go with that. Because the things that are now retro used to just be standard. (laughs) The phone keypad has nine buttons. So the Simpsons cannot use a zero, (laughs) a star, or a hash. Those are very important keys as well. So especially if you want to go check the last person to call you, how are you going to dial star 10 hash without a zero or a star or a hash? You also can't call 8675309. To speak to Jenny. Yeah, exactly. Jenny. Even if you've got her number. Even if you want to make her mine. Yeah. Make even if, even if you want to make her mine. Yeah. Hey, is-, is this Jenny? I want you to be Nick's. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can't, like, own a person, man. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, I'd argue, but I'm very milk toast. <laughs> um. So, Bud's dog gets an F is, of course, the parallel episode to Bart gets an F from early in the season. Yes. The dog is suddenly a piece of shit. Really bad dog. There's clearly meant to be a parallel here between Bart and the dog. The dog is similar to Bart. I think that's what the episode's going for. Because, you know, obviously Bart and the dog are very closely linked in this episode. And if Bart cannot get the dog to perform, the dog will have to go away. And it will reflect on Bart in a way. And he feels a connection with this dog. I don't know how much that really works. I don't feel like the dog's rambunctious chaos is really in line with Bard's uh, earnest willingness to do better. But there's an interesting parallel here. Okay. Um, So, what is the major device that the dog trainer suggests Bart use to train Santa's little helper? A choking chain. How does Homer train Bart? I believe... He puts his big meaty paws around Bart's tiny little neck and squeezes. Yeah. So squeezes. Strangulation. And Bart desperately, <clears throat> desperately gasps for breath. And he looks to his father as if to say, Dad, Dad, why? Why so, are you doing this to my tiny little throat? So training. But he doesn't stop squeezing. Training by strangulation. Mm. is a method that Homer is more than happy to use on his son. We've seen this yep. many, many times. But Bart tries it once on Santa's little helper and immediately pol- apologizes and says, I can't choke you just for being dumb. Yeah. This ties back to the thing earlier of, in Bart gets an F of his self-doubt where he just jumps up saying, I'm dumb. You know that. I know that. Do you think I'm happy about it? Yeah. Bart shows a lot more emotional intelligence in this episode than I think people give him credit for. I think in the entire fucking series. Like I've said, well, I think yeah. Bart is a smart kid. He's a very, very smart kid. Uh, and I do find it interesting that he has... Uh, w- we can see here that he is rejecting the techniques that have been passed on to... Well, that have been used on him mm. because he knows that it's not going to work and that it's not going to be the right thing. It's breaking the and chain. instead... Ah, oh, breaking the choke chain. Uh-oh. And instead, he goes for... Um, you know, love and compassion, and that, for some reason, works. And when I say for some reason, I don't mean to suggest that love and compassion won't work. I just mean that the twist in Santa's Little Helper is, for mine, not properly explained. Yeah, it's very much... Uh, when we were talking about the movie, I talked about how sometimes you see these plots where like, they just need the resolution to happen, so it yeah. just does like, it doesn't necessarily feel earned or, like, they got there in a logical way. It's just like, okay, this is what we need to happen mm. right now. So, it's just going to happen. And through the device of the uh, black and white pixelated 
Santa's little helper vision, mm. where they're all, they're all just making nonsense noises. Yeah. It seems to be that the key to training a dog is to realise that dogs speak English and understand yeah. English words. <laughs> but only if they really want to. Yeah. Because it goes from blah, 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 sit. And then Santa's little helper knows to sit. Mm. I don't like it. I don't like the resolution. But we have jumped literally to the end of the episode. Yeah. And I did have other notes. Uh, favorite phrase of mine, when Marge is... Oh, I'm going to jump too far ahead. You're not going to like it. <laughs> when Marge is explaining... So, in season 25. <laughs> season 25. When Marge is explaining um, her patch of the blanket of the Simpson family quilt. Yeah. Uh, and it keep the on... The Bouvier family quilt. Oh, sorry. The Bouvier family quilt. Keep on trucking with a yin-yang behind it. Um, and Lisa says, what does that mean? And Marge said, I don't know then and I don't know now. Oh, sorry. I didn't know then and I... Oh, fuck. Didn't know then. Don't know now. Didn't know then. My name is Marge. And I don't know now. This is Nick, by the way. This is Marge, by the way. That's Um, what she says. (laughs) Uh, I really like that phrase. I use it all the time. Keep trucking? No, I I, I didn't know then and I don't know now. Oh, okay. You you know that phrase I butchered eight times (laughs) while trying to say it? The one that I don't remember you ever using? Yeah, that's... Well, I don't spend all of my time around you, although to be fair, the other times I've mentioned phrases I've picked up from The Simpsons, you have actually n- known them yeah. all, but whatever. In this one, I mean, the plot doesn't really amount to much. It's a Santa's Little Helper is a mischievous, rambunctious dog. Santa's Ill Helper. Yep. He goes for a wander. He wrecks a bunch of stuff. Uh, a lot of weird character beats in this one that don't really make a lot of sense to me. Like, uh, the main one- is Homer becoming obsessed with owning a pair of assassin sneakers. Yeah. Which cost $125. He really wants them. Has never expressed anything that even resembles enthusiasm about footwear previously. Now really wants these fancy sneakers. Despite never exercising or even wearing shoes other than the grey ones he is Mm. always wearing. I guess, though, that this is a trait that we do start seeing more of in Homer. And I'm trying desperately to think of the product. Just like impulsive consumerism? Yeah. Remember there's that, that, the, the Globo Dex or whatever it is that he gets obsessed with and spend heaps of money on. Well, the chair? Well, the, the, there is the chair, but also there's that thing that's like, uh, like a calendar and comes up with fun facts and reminders. Um, he buys it at Christmas. He spends his Christmas bonus on it and then has no money for the rest of the. What? <laughs> Is this an episode of The Simpsons? I don't know. I'm very... Anyway, um, my thinking is it's, it's a pair of sneakers just because that's something a dog can easily destroy, which is a uh, weird reason to... Sure, I sure, don't sure, know. Sure, just, sure. It doesn't really work as a thing the character would do. It's purely plot. I just, you know, I was sitting there thinking about, like, the pitch meeting when they say, uh, so Homer, he he really wants this pair of shoes. That's going to be his motivation in this one. He wants these shoes, and then gets the shoes. Then the dog destroys the shoes. He's really into shoes now. Mm. I don't know. Not into it. I'm not, it. I'm not into it. But we do also see how his rampant consumerism in this when he goes to a biscuit shop. Ooh. Yes. Now, we got very excited when we realized the name of the biscuit shop. So, he's at the mall... Um, uh, doing some stuff. Mm. Uh, there's someone handing out free samples of biscuits. The shop is called Cookie Colossus. 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 Cookie Colossus.
Colossus. Colossus. Now, who do we think might own this um, Cookie Colossus store? Is it like a Barney or Ned or what do you think? I think it might be Dr. Colossus. Oh, interesting. Dr. Colossus. Dr. Colossus. And I mean, that does make a lot of sense because Dr. Colossus has opened this biscuit concern in the hope that Homer, being a sugar-loving lad, will come in. And he will buy... Homer, being an extremely large beverage holder. Yep. He will buy this uh, chocolate and macadamia cookie. Yes. He will take it home. The dog will eat it. And the dog will be sent away. And this will break the family apart to some level. You know, they'll never quite be the same again. I didn't think that um, Colossus was going for such a... Super long play. Super long play. I thought that uh, basically Colossus was putting mind control drugs in the cookies. Oh, okay. Well, my read, my read is that he's trying to specifically take down the Simpsons family. Man, I really wanted you to go back through your entire two-minute rundown of the plan there. Well, Nick, my read is, and then you repeated verbatim the thing that you just finished <laughs> saying. That would have been amazing. Well, I've got to. Here's the thing. Because there's a part of this scene that does not make sense. <coughs> of the biscuit scene. Unless something has happened to Homer in this store. Because Homer buys this relatively big cookie. It's a big cookie, but it's not so big that you couldn't just eat it, right? Also, I find it weird that their whole gimmick seems to be big biscuits. And it's not called Colossus Cookies. It's called Cookie Colossus. Well, that's because <clears throat> it's the Cookie Colossus is the owner of this store. Yeah. So, he buys this cookie... And, yeah, surely Homer, though, having procured this biscuit, would simply eat it, right? He's got a large biscuit. He would eat the biscuit. Because he's a sugarman. Yeah, he's a sugarman. He's searching for sugarman and he's found him. So, he he buys this biscuit and then he takes it home and he tries to put it in the jar and then the dog gets to it. And I was watching this thinking, why the fuck did he take the the biscuit, the cookie, whatever the fuck, home? Why didn't he just eat it while he was there? Like, he's obviously craving this this big old biscuit. He only takes it home so the dog can get to it. So, something must have happened in that store that convinced him not to eat it on the spot. There must have been something laid down there, something said to him that convinced him to take it home and save it for later, which then instigated the further events that nearly led to the exile of the canine. I have a dull theory. Good. Um, And then I have an interesting theory. Don't want to hear that one. Okay. The dull theory is he was gorging himself on the free samples. Maybe he just didn't need any more biscuit at that given point in time. Is there a possibility that he ordered multiple biscuits and just ate one? Multiple big biscuits. Mm. Hey, big biscuit. Check this brisket. Hey, big biscuit. Uh, What was your... Okay, what's your outlandish, like, crazy theory? Death dream? It wasn't going to be a death dream. Sorry, I'm not. I wasn't prepared to work that in. Okay, for a start, death dreams your thing. Sure. Um, and also, I mean, unless he has a macadamia allergy and died from the free samples, I'm not quite sure where you're going to work the death dream in. Okay, well, carry on. Um, no, my outlandish theory was going to be that uh, it was the mind control drugs in the free samples. Okay, and Bad. that and that Colossus went cool. I've got my target. He's ingested the mind control drugs through the free samples. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, up on the computer. Beep, boop, I am a robot. Yep, okay. Yes, beep, boop, I am a robot. The official slogan of Pod and the Key of Springfield. 
Um, and then, um, uh, and then that's why Homer decided to uh, play along with the thing of, of not eating cookie until he got home. Yeah, this does home. actually make a certain sense because uh, Santos El Helper yes. eats this delicious treat and then is able to understand English. His mind is now being controlled. That's interesting. By Colossus. That's interesting. But your your hypothesis was that Colossus was using the mind control to break apart the Simpsons, mm. and yet it's the mind control drug. No, no, which- no. Mind control wasn't part of my initial theory. Oh, sorry. I'm now going off on this splinter theory. Oh, splinter theory. Yeah, splinter theory. Is it a hybrid theory? Is it Linkin Park's first album? No, it's a splinter theory. It's because uh, dun, 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 it's, dun, you know you pull dun, the splinter dun, out, the lion's poor. The poor, the lion is now your friend. And in a similar way, this theory is uh, based on friendship between animal and man. So, uh, oh. the the dog now understands English, having consumed the drugs. If this is what has happened, the drugs were intended for the family. And uh, I guess Homer was going to be under Colossus, Colossus control. But now the dog, and I guess he's got his little dog in a system, is different. He ingests it differently. The dog simply understands English now. It's backfired on Colossus. He has to go back to the drawing board. Bulletproof. Mm, absolutely. And that also explains why we never see the Cookie Colossus shop again. No, because Colossus has to close up shop. Yeah. It is cooking his own uh, proving calamitous. Nice. Mm, so, uh, Tracy Ullman's in this episode. She plays the dog woman who oh. hates dogs. Um, Henrietta Winthrop. Yeah. Interesting. Did, did you oh, notice, Shoke by the Jane way... Ullman. Did you notice when they were looking at um, the other possible, <clears throat> the other possible dog schools, that you notice that there was Doctor Marvin Munro's Canine Therapy Institute? That guy has his finger in every pie. You could say he had a pudgy finger in every pie. I mean, he could, yeah. Sorry, uh, it's a quote from the Nuremberg Trials. <laughs> All right. (laughs) One of of the more jovial quotes from the Nuremberg trial. (laughs) So both Hitler and the Nuremberg trial came up on this episode. Yeah, I mean, solid episode. Yep. All right. Uh, Vote yes on marriage equality, which will be well past us by the time we get to this, but you know. Mm. uh, I feel like I need to throw something in. Oh, I should also mention... um, uh, I believe by the time this has gone up, uh, the two very good and knowledgeable boys over at the Adalol podcast have Those good boys. given us a shout out. Um, you should listen to Adalol, A-D-E-L-O-L. It's a nice little uh, comical take on South Australian uh, history. I really enjoy it. Speaking of other podcasts, actually, uh, no, yeah, that's very good. That's very good. Uh, thank you very much, Adalol. Uh, thank you, Adalol. Good podcast. The lads from the Simpsons Index, when I asked if anyone had any questions for us, had a oh, question. Oh, yeah, questions. Uh, James and Nick, your podcast seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. Why are you so popular? Well, in response to this, I have the following to say. I thought the non-card question was a valid one. Yep. And I would say that if you answered Nick and James, you are incorrect. They were never popular. Ooh. Good. There we go. 
All so right. that's our response to that. Yep. Very good. Thanks. I felt like that was comprehensive. Thanks, Simpsons Index. Uh, I mean, that's going to be a confusing experience for them, because by the time this goes up, they would have asked that question seven weeks ago. Seven weeks ago. <laughs> uh, the quilt that Lisa and Marge, the Bouvier family quilt. Has the quilt sent in a question? No, I just want to talk about this quilt, because oh. it's a shit quilt. Sorry, I just really liked the way that you went for, oh, the Simpsons Index sent in, and then the next thing was, uh, the quilt, and you were <laughs> picking up your book as well, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> I feel like I should just talk about the I can't the wait to hear from the quilt. This, uh, so they they've got this Bouvier family quilt with yep. little patches from everyone. Yep. I just want to say that Lisa's patch sucks. It's a bad patch. Oh, why got, why don't you like the patch? Because she's got these two musical influences, the two major musical influences on her. Largo life. and Bleeding Gums. Yep. One of them is Mr. Largo, who is a demonstrably shit teacher. Every yeah. time we see him, he's doing a poor job. Although she, and she is did, a bad person. She does reference that, I think, when because doesn't she say he told me that you could take the most well, he, he taught me that you could take the most beautiful concerto and suck all the soul out of it. Or no, he says, she says like the opposite of that. No, I don't think she does. Uh, the other thing is she's got Bleeding Gums Murphy on there. And Bleeding Gums is obviously a figure of some importance to her. Yeah. But also, as we established back in episode three or four... He still. He taught me that even the noblest concerto can be drained of its beauty and soul. Is that what it said? That's what it says. What did I hear then? I don't know. I heard but like I, the opposite of that. I've always heard it as a positive too yeah. until this listening of the episode. That's odd. Yeah. That's really fucking odd. Because yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And so it's it's the negative and the positive. How, the the yin yang. The takeaway I took was the yin yang. Okay. She, she's recreated Marge's yin yang. It's a weird sentence. Okay, so that's a that's smarter than I gave it credit for. Then, mm. ah. also the quilt's a piece of shit. It gets destroyed by a dog very easily. Yeah, no, it's a very fall party kind of quilt. Yeah, that is that should not happen when the dog bites the quilt. It All of not. my heirloom quilts have survived several dog attacks. Uh, I did actually get attacked by a dog on the way here, and it really tore me up pretty badly, actually. But uh. Yeah, this is a weird, shitty quilt. Should not fall apart as easily as it does. Shitty quilt. The dog is a bit of a piece of shit in this episode, and then at the end, it's not. If you were going to sew a, um, if you were going to sew a tableau, if you were going to make a tableau sew, yep, um, uh, on your family quilt, if you were going to do that, what would your depiction be? What would my depiction be? What would you do as a little heirloom quilt? You know, I always struggle with questions like this, because just like if somebody asks me, so who are you? Like, what, what are you into? Who are you guys? Like, I don't know. Who, but, are, you, uh, who are you guys? Yeah. Is that a question people ask? Yeah, you know, who are you guys? Who are you guys? <laughs> yeah. Um, this, my, is a, this is a, you've, you've lost track of the... Uh, mine would be two microphones, a mixing desk. And two, two turntables and a microphone? No. Two <laughs> microphones, a mixing desk, a Simpsons DVD, and friendship. Okay. Okay, so that would be yours. So mine would be different, I guess. It would be like uh, me on like a rat hog, just like tearing across the countryside. Oh, yeah. sick. Yeah. With like flames coming out the back of it? Yeah. And be like throwing a cigarette away and just Fuck, like- Fuck, uh, you don't even smoke. No, I don't, but I would on the tapestry. On the, on the tapestry. And people would say, it looks a bit lonely there on the back of that bike. And I'd say, well, you know, when you when you got this much style, you got no need for like friends or like other people or, yes. you, you know- 
Yeah. yeah. But at least now, going back to the, 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 the paralysis you have when people ask you these questions, mm. at least now <laughs> I know if someone says to me, who are you? What do you do? Yeah. I can answer that with extremely large beverage holder. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I've tied that up with a little bow. <laughs> that was a nice little bow. We should, uh, so Bud's dog doesn't get an F in the end. He passes. Uh, we get one of those. Oh, that's false fucking advertising then. Yeah. Oh, I suppose Bart, Bart initially got an F and then he passed. Yeah. Bart's dog never got an F. No, but he would have. It was he, hanging uh, over him like the sword of Damocles. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then at the end we get the whole college movie ending thing where they show pictures of the dogs and tell you what they went on to do. Sure. Uh, Santa's little helper bit Bart. Homer didn't mind. Do you think maybe Bart contracted rabies and died? Death dream? Oh, um, hmm. Yes. Okay, good. So this has been Pods in the Key of Springfield. Pitkos. Yes, Pitkos. Uh, I've been James. I've been Nick, and I'll continue to be Nick. Yep, and I will I'll probably be James next time as well. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Key Springfield. Facebook, Pods in the Key of Springfield. As a podcast, you're listening to us right now. Just keep doing that. You could, if I mean, if you needed to, you could send us an email. I don't see why you would. You, yep, you could just do it through Facebook. Yeah, but Pods in the Key of Springfield at gmail.com. Yep, you can message us on Facebook. Uh, even though that makes me very nervous because it tells everyone what our response rate is like and how fast we usually respond. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And every now and then it says, hey, do you want to publish this ad? And the ad is very responsive to messages. Yeah. I'm like, oh, look, while it's a pleasant attribute, I'm not sure if it's what I want our podcast <laughs> to be advertised with. I don't want to have responsibility tied in with this podcast. Or responsibility. No. All right, so thank you for listening. As always, please like, rate, subscribe, and uh, call your mum up and say, Hey, mum, guess what? been listening to this podcast. think it's pretty neat. Yeah, do that. And, you know, maybe do the same with your dad. If they're divorced, it'll be two phone calls, but that's fine. fine. Uh, thank you again, and whizzle-wuzzle. Um, do I have a line from this episode that I like? Um. Thanks, everybody. All right, bye. Fuck. <laughs> I can never think of a line. <laughs> I do kind of feel bad that I've established, like, I've got this line, and then yours is just you have to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's only because I'm too fucking stupid to think of one. <laughs> And stick with it. And then even the times I've decided, like at one point it was noodles, what noodles? Yeah. And then I completely forgot that I was doing that. So now Noodle I don't want to have to bring it back. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just need to start making a note of lines. That'll be fine.